Welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please welcome your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show, the only internet radio show dedicated to giving you real solutions to improve your health. Not only are they real solutions, but they're natural solutions as well, because as you know, the one and only true wealth you have is your health. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc, and I'm committed to helping you find the root cause of your health problem, fix the cause with natural treatments, so you can feel normal again and live your life to the fullest. Now, today's topic is all about practical information about buying supplements, uh, why to be careful when buying supplements online and from the U.S., Health Canada guidelines for ensuring supplement ingredients and safety, and how to make sure you're not getting, you know, just sawdust in your capsules. I'm so very excited about today's show because my special guest is Dr. Andrew Krause. Uh, After an undergraduate degree at the University of Ottawa, Dr. Krause studied at the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine. Since graduating, he has been a licensed naturopathic doctor in private practice in Kitchener and Mississauga, Ontario. In addition to his education in naturopathic medicine, Dr. Krause is a certified strength and conditioning specialist, certified sports nutritionist, and yoga instructor. In his practice, Dr. Krause works with individuals and teams to improve their health and performance and lectures across Eastern Canada on topics of natural health product regulation, sports nutrition, and behavioral psychology. Dr. Krause is also a senior account manager for the Ottawa-based health tech company, Fullscript. Dr. Krause, thank you so much for being my special guest today on this episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. Thanks so much for inviting me. I'm really excited to speak with you today. Can you talk about how, you know, initially, how did you get interested in learning more about supplements and natural health products, uh, how they're made, where they come from? So one of the things that really excited me, um, first of all, about natural health products was that they're they're everywhere. So you see them at the supplement store, you see them at grocery stores, you see them at pharmacies. And I I was really exposed at the first instance when I was a personal trainer and there were people that were coming to me and saying they were taking this pre-workout or this protein or that protein. So I started learning a little bit about it from the sports angle. And then as it continued on into my studies, we started learning a lot more about the therapeutics angle with the education of the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine. And during that time, we learned about you know how different supplements, different herbs, vitamins, minerals, natural health products overall were indicated for certain health conditions. But then I also started learning about the industry and was marketed to directly from supplement companies um, while being in that initial steps of the industry at the college. When I left the college, I also worked for a natural health product manufacturer for about three years. And then through that, that was, that's really where I started my deep dive. <laughs> and so I started learning a lot about the actual regulation that it went about uh, making a product in Canada and how that differences, differentiates from the States because a lot of the people that I was working with were asking about how to compare between different products from different companies or the same products from different companies. And then through that, 
search. I learned a lot more about the marketing and then the best practices therein. And that led into my lecturing opportunities across Canada. So it was a bit of a bit of a path to get there. But every single step of the way, I started realizing there was more and more that was related to this industry. And I just got this urge to understand as much as I could about it. And I'm, I'm sure you've probably learned things that you were kind of shocked of, and also impressed by. Definitely. So I, I'm hoping you share some of that knowledge with us today. So what makes the Canadian supplement regulations uh, different than other countries out there? So this was actually the first thing that I was impressed by. And so um, the, the easy comparison in North America is to look at the Canadian natural health product regulations. And Canada uh, actually very firmly calls supplements natural health products as opposed to just supplements. And it's really quite indicative of how they view um, those agents in practice. Calling them natural health products really subtly connotes that there is a health indication for them. And so they're, they're used for changing someone's health. As opposed to just calling them supplements, it's a little bit more vague. We know what supplements mean because that word has been used really bro- broadly across a lot of different term, a lot of different places. But uh, natural health products are really deemed so in Canada because there's a significantly higher vetting process in Canada to make sure that products are what they say they are, that they do what they say they do, and that they're not contaminated in any single way. And so the directorate that actually manages that in Canada is called the Natural and Non-Prescription Health Product Directorate. And so they, they really regulate everything to do with, uh, with natural health products in Canada. And the biggest thing that's important about that, and you might have actually seen this on the bottles um, yourself, in, whether it's in the office or ones that you've recommended to patients. And if there's any patients listening, you can actually take a look at your bottles and see if they have this number. But uh, it's called a natural product number. And so every supplement that's sold over the counter in Canada, every natural health product that's sold is going to have an eight-digit number called an NPN. And so that NPN really means a lot. And uh, we'll go into like what really what a company has to do in order to actually get that NPN um, on the bottle. And so the first thing uh, that they have to do is there are label accuracy claims. And so, you know, you were talking about sawdust before. And uh, so the chance that there's going to be sawdust in a product in Canada is significantly lower uh, because you actually have to attest that a product is what it says it is. And that might seem like that's something that's so straightforward. But, you know, if, if you went to the grocery store and you had to worry about whether milk was milk, then that'd be a big problem. That would be a big problem. And and the reason I said sawdust is because, well, as you know, I think, was it last year or the year before? Time is going by so fast. Yeah. Well, okay, last year or the year before, um, what was it, the Attorney General of New York State? Yep. Went in and took a bunch of herbal supplements off the shelves of, um, what was it, Walgreens, CVS, Target, I, I forget all of them. But, yeah, not good is what they found in those supplements. Not a lot of anything. Well, that's it. And so part of the concern there is that now, so in the States, um, supplements, as opposed to natural health products, um, dietary supplements um, don't actually have any pre-market validation before they get to market, which for me as a practitioner is wildly, wildly concerning to me because I can't have any guarantees on whether a product that a patient is buying off the shelf is actually going to be the thing that it says that it is unless uh, the company that has produced that product has gone through extra steps to make sure that it is what it's to, to guarantee to the patient that it is what it says it is. So yeah, you, in, you were talking about label accuracy in Canada. 
Yeah. And so label accuracy in Canada, so you can have a guarantee that if, let's say, a product says that it's 100 milligrams of vitamin C, it's going to come within 20% of that 100 milligram state. So there's variance allowed, and there's variance allowed with drugs as well. Um, so there's a variance allowed in natural health products in Canada of that 20% mark. And so you'll never have a situation where it's it's less than that or more than that, um, because when a company first starts making a product and whenever they make a, an entire new batch of that product, they have to give an attestation. They have to show that a third party has vetted it and guaranteed within the, within that acceptable range, which is a great guarantee to have. And so unless you're trying to market a natural health product that is sawdust, that is 80% sawdust, um, then there likely won't be that sawdust in, in a capsule. And then are there any other differences between uh, supplements in the Canada versus the U.S.? Definitely. And so you, you might have seen this, and I'm sure some listeners have heard this as well, uh, the term proprietary blend when you see it on a bottle. Have you seen that before? Yeah. So when you, you have to look at the actual ingredients label. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so sometimes it'll say, you know, and this could be Dr. Drizga's proprietary blend, 500 milligrams of a combination of, let's say, 15 different products. And so um, in the well, States... For, first off, I would never do that. First of all, I know. I was, I was getting there. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, but in the States, you could if you wanted to. Um, and so, so the, the challenge with that as a practitioner is that how am I supposed to use a product if I actually don't know what's in it? Well, yeah, so in the proprietary blend, like, you know what's in it, but you don't know how much of anything. Well, that's it. And so if I have, um, let's say there's that, you know, 15 ingredients that make up that 500 milligram capsule. I have no idea whether one ingredient is actual, actually an equal part of that 500 milligrams or whether there's, you know, one milligram. It could be an infinitesimally small amount, but it's still in that label. And so without knowing exact dosages that are in products, it's very difficult to understand whether that product is going to be clinically important or actually going to help you as a patient. And so that's one thing that is allowed in the States that is not allowed in Canada. So one of the standards of actually getting this NPN number in Canada is that you need to write down the amount um, and the name of every single ingredient that is in a product, which might seem like such a simple thing, but is actually a really big differentiating factor between Canada and the States. And so you'll always know every single ingredient and the amount of every single ingredient in products that are purchased in Canada if they have that NPN. And for them to be purchased in Canada, they need that NPN. And, and that's part of the Health Canada guidelines. You got it, yeah. And so the other thing that the Health Canada guidelines recommend and that they mandate is that you also need a list of all of the non-medicinal ingredients. And so the medicinal ingredients are ones that are touting a health claim or have some kind of benefit uh, as listed on the application for the natural product number. And then non-medicinal ingredients can be agents that help, let's say they help uh, bind the tablet together if it's a tablet sometimes those ingredients can be you know completely benign and sometimes they can be ingredients that you may want to avoid in a capsule depending on you know what what your stance is on them or depending on whether a patient isn't allergic or intolerant to them like um, red, red food dye number four or something well exactly yeah. and so uh, in canada you have to list those entirely if they're going to be in a, in a in a natural health product which again just helps a lot clinically and as a consumer as a patient because if there's things that you're trying to avoid in a product, then you can actively make that informed choice. And I, I love that term, informed choice. And in, in Canada, it really is a lot of that informed choice because you're, whenever you're looking at this natural health product, it's always going to list exactly what it is. So you never really have to guess too much. So you mentioned three things already. 
<laughs> that makes Canada drastically different from the U.S. Definitely. When it comes and to so- supplements, label accuracy, all ingredients must be listed with their amounts so, and no proprietary blends <clears throat> and all non-medicinal ingredients need to be listed as well. So are there, are there any other differences? Yeah, definitely. So there's two other big ones. Okay. And so there's something called good manufacturing practices. And these are also mandated by Health Canada. And so you need to make sure that you have processes around, you know, how you handle making sure that there's no bacterial contamination or viral chem- contamination um, of products. And so the way that raw material is brought into a manufacturing site has to be a controlled process. And the the times and the frequency that those ingredients and products have to be checked before the product is approved for sale are regimented as well. And so throughout the manufacturing cycle, there's different checks and measures to make sure that the product is what it is and that it's not contaminated with anything that isn't supposed to be in there. So they don't do that in the U.S.? Yeah. So you don't need any of that uh, (gasps) before before actually getting a product to market. Oh, that's not good. Well, no. And so now there's there's companies that certainly do do that. So there's companies that will have GMP certification. Mm -hmm. There's companies that will get NSF certification. And what I always say in comparing Canada and the States in that regard is that so in Canada, it's actually a fairly level playing field in the sense that if anyone is selling a product that has that MPN, then there's a lot of guarantees you can already have as a consumer about it because it already has those kinds of label accuracy checks. It already has those contaminant checks. It already has that third-party attestation. Whereas in the States, if it doesn't have any additional certifications, you can't guarantee that those things have been passed. And so the certifications in the States are actually quite critical. So when you see certifications on bottles, and GMP is one that, that certainly is relevant, that, and there's other ones as well that we can talk about too, um, you know, looking for those can give you that first pass if you're trying to make a decision and a product hasn't been specifically recommended to you by a licensed healthcare provider, which I'm always going to lean towards. I, I always think that it's great to be able to co-manage your case and, and have someone helping you make those decisions because then they can, they can use all of their knowledge and understanding of, of trying to learn about which products are best, best for the patient instead of trying to do it as a patient themselves. Because uh-huh. you know, even as a healthcare provider, it's, there's so much information, it's hard to actually balance all of it sometimes. And yeah, so yeah. Um, it, it's something that can fall under the role of the provider, for sure. And so the last thing in Canada that makes it a little bit different is the fact that uh, there are health claims allowed for natural health products in Canada. And so in the States, and you might have seen this on, on bottles, Dr. Jessica, but now, it'll say, you know, this statement has not been uh, approved by the FDA. Yeah. And so in Canada, you're actually allowed to say that a, a product can have some kind of medicinal action as long as there has been evidence and proof that has been provided to the government that, uh, that it does so. And this kind of evidence and proof really does vary based on the kind of claim that you're trying to make. And so... If let's say there's a, a vitamin D product, and so if the only thing that you're trying to say about that vitamin D product is that it raises vitamin D levels in the body, that is a health claim, but it's not claiming to actually change anybody's disease. And so that kind of claim requires a lot less evidence. You just need to prove that it's vitamin D and that vitamin D raises vitamin D levels, and there's a lot of evidence for that. And so that actually doesn't really take that much extra research to be able to get a product to market because the proof isn't something that is going to interact with other other medications that much. Um, It's also not going to potentially disincentivize a patient from taking a drug because the government's really 
concerned, and rightly so, that if a supplement is making a grand claim, let's say a supplement says that it treats, it, it treats high cholesterol, then they're mindful that that might discourage someone from taking a medication that was recommended by their healthcare provider. And the government's trying to limit um, patients from like going against what they've been recommended to do by a provider. And so in order for, some, for a supplement, natural health product, um, to actually get that attestation for lowering cholesterol, there needs to be a lot more evidence. So when I say a lot more, there needs to be randomized control trials. There needs to be blinded randomized control trials that that ingredient in that agent is able to um, lower high cholesterol in that way. And so there's really this, this spread. And so the severity of the claim that you're trying to make if it's not really affecting any significant system and if there's not really a lot of risk involved, it doesn't need a lot of evidence. But if there's more severity and if there's more risk involved with the benefits that the healthcare, that the natural health product is supposed to provide, then it's going to need a lot more evidence in order to actually get it passed and able to be sold in the market with that claim. Okay, so then how do supplements get approved for sale in Canada to the general public? And so in order to be able to actually make a supplement in Canada, um, you need to have uh, a site. So the place that you're actually manufacturing the process, ma manufacturing the natural health product, needs to have a site license. And so that means that that site has passed all of these good manufacturing practice standards so that at least if a product is being manufactured there, it's manufactured in a safe way. And so... After that step is passed, then you would choose which ingredients you want to be in the product. Um, and then, so you'd make sure that those ingredients were all available over the counter in, uh, in Canada as natural health products. And then you would choose, you know, which quantities and which amounts you'd want in, in that product. And then there's a whole s section on the NNHPD. So this is the government um, division that works on natural health products in Canada. Now um, that has what we call monographs. And so if, if we go look in the monograph for vitamin D, uh, then there's going to be a reference the re to research that says vitamin D raises serum vitamin D levels. And so because that monograph is already present, then you can write on your bottle that the effect of that bottle is, is that it raises vitamin D levels because that monograph is already there. The research is already done. So all you have to do is just reference the work that the government has already coded and say, okay, well, I'm just referencing what's already done. And then they'll check that. Usually it's a very quick check at that point. And then you get approved with the natural product number and then you can sell it on the market. Now, let's say there isn't a monograph. So let's say you're, you're trying to make a claim where there isn't any evidence for it currently in the government database. At that point there, it, let's say you're combining two different monographs. So you want to say that vitamin D and magnesium together do something new. Now, we already have a lot of information about vitamin D on this monograph. And there's already a lot of information about magnesium on the monograph online as well, but maybe they haven't been studied together. So then you'd have to provide more evidence to the government so that they would be able to confirm that that combination is able to have the effect that you're touting. And so as you're making new claims or as you're trying to make claims that there isn't as much evidence for, you have to provide more research. And so once again, once that research has been approved, then you're able to get that natural product number and be able to sell it in Canada. So from what I'm hearing, there are some big differences between getting supplements approved in Canada for sale 
versus the U.S. Are, are there any others that we haven't touched on so far? Those are honestly the biggest ones. And so, I mean, even just those differences alone, so label accuracy, third-party attestation, the, the, good, manufa- the good manufacturing practice um, mandates that are in Canada, um, the evidence for health claims that are in Canada, and then the post-market va- validation and surveillance. This is a little, little bit more equal between Canada and the States. And so they both have adverse reaction reporting standards. But it's really everything before that point that really separates Canada and uh, makes it a lot safer of an environment to recommend natural health products. So I really have ultimate confidence that if I want someone to get a product in Canada, um, that there's a lot of parity. There, there really is a lot more similarity between products in Canada because the, the, the lowest bar, the lowest common denominator has been elevated so much. Whereas in the States, I'm a lot more particular. If I'm ever going to be talking about a product that's available in the States, it it does make a lot more sense to know more about how that specific brand or that specific product makes their products and to look at these extra certifications they might have. Because if there's no guarantee that they're using these good manufacturing practices, then you can't make any, with with a huge degree of certainty, you can't really make any assurances that uh, the product is going to be what it says it is. And so you could be falling into a little bit of, (coughs) excuse me, Um, you could be falling in a little bit of, uh, you know, dust and wood powder territory. So would you say then, um, Andrew, that... is it mainly because you think is it mainly because of these Health Canada guidelines and the NPN number of why there's still a bunch of products in the US that have not come to Canada because they just do not meet Health Canada guidelines. Exactly. And so they could meet they could not meet Health Canada guidelines for a few different reasons. And so sometimes they're not meeting the guidelines because there aren't monographs. So there isn't that research base that has been compiled in Canada for them. And so the products could be made very safely and they could have good manufacturing practices and there could actually be a lot of evidence for them. (coughs) Excuse me. There could there could be a lot of evidence for them um, if they're not able to get from the U.S. to Canada. But if Canada just doesn't have all of that evidence compiled well, then it can take a long time to actually get that done. And there might actually not be evidence to the degree that Canada wants, because Canada really is um, in you know kind of first and second place position, depending on how you look at it, in terms of how um, tightly controlled natural health products are regulated in the world. Australia being the other one that's actually really uh, really quite good and has a lot of these same um, different checks and measures to guarantee safety. And that's what I really keep on coming back to is that the system in Canada guarantees that it there's going to be a minimal chance that someone has an adverse reaction and has negative health outcomes from taking a natural health product. It's not necessarily saying that the natural health products are going to help patients achieve their health goals the most, but it definitely says that those natural health products are able to minimize negative outcomes. And that's how I look at it when I look at the regulations. So as I see it, like as a patient perspective, if you had a choice between buying vitamin, your vitamin C, your bottle of vitamin C uh, from a Canadian supplier with an NPN number versus a U.S. like website and have it shipped because it's cheaper, you're always better to go with the Canadian site with the NPM because at least you know there's that, that regulation behind it. Exactly. So we talk about that lowest common denominator, the minimum competency, the minimum level of the product in Canada is going to be a lot higher than the minimum level of the product in the States. And so not knowing anything else about the product or the company, then I'd be a lot more comfortable buying that product from um, from a company that is selling NPN products in Canada. 
And is that also, do you think, part of why Canadian products tend to be a little bit more expensive versus their U.S. counterpart? It certainly can be. And so certainly economies of scale can always decrease prices. And so if a company is, you know, buying significantly amounts more of a, of a raw material, then they can decrease the price of the product in the States. Um, but also there's just other regulatory hoops that have to be achieved in Canada in order to get products to market. So that's definitely a non-insignificant uh, reason. There can be some price discrepancies between Canada and the States. Okay, so next question. I hear these uh, terms thrown out thrown around a lot, especially by the um, suppliers that we doctors and naturopaths work with, uh, pharmaceutical grade and professional grade. Uh, can you tell us about those and, and does that actually mean anything too? So I, I, I don't mean to be bursting any bubbles, but um, there, is, there is no consistent definition of what pharmaceutical grade or professional grade actually means. And that was probably one of the biggest things that kind of opened this whole can of worms for me. And so what that means is that these terms are often used as marketing aids for us. And so because the government in Canada or the government in the States does not have any kind of threshold of what constitutes pharmaceutical grade or professional grade, then we can't actually know whether there's going to be any appreciable difference between products that have that term and products that don't have that term. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So that was that was really the biggest thing that got me searching into this because when I started hearing this difference between pharmaceutical grade and professional grade, and when I heard it being talked about so regularly, I started digging into it some more, and, and I saw that there wasn't an actual um, factual difference between them. But the thing is, a lot of practitioners and patients alike will see those terms and automatically think that it means that they're they're better in some way. I don't know if that's how you've kind of heard this from patients or you've seen this yourself at one point too. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, it's, you know, there's this term in behavioral psychology called heuristics. And so it's when you use an easier decision to replace a harder decision. And so let's say I don't know how to determine uh, whether a product is a quality product. So let's say I don't, I'm not even really too sure what the word quality means to me. And I say that very pointedly. Quality can mean something different to every single person. And we talk about it in terms of a sweater. You know, Dr. Drozga, I might like a certain sweater. I might find a certain sweater, sweater or quality sweater, but you might not like that same sweater at all. I might find it itchy. Yeah. <laughs> you might find it itchy. You might <laughs> yeah. say, Andrew, you don't really look that great on it. Or I might say, I don't look that great on it. And so quality really does end up being a bit of a, a, a very arbitrary term. Now, yet it's a term that's thrown around a lot in terms of things that actually do have sometimes some more arbitrary, uh, some less arbitrary ways, sorry, that they're actually different. And so when it comes to the, the aspects of a product that might make it more indicated, you know, more useful in a certain case than something else, those aren't always going to be the same thing for every single different product on the market. And so it takes knowing what you're trying to achieve, either whether it's for yourself or for your patients, know what you're trying to achieve, and then try to do some, in, some research and some inquiry into what are the important factors in that specific ingredient or in that entire product or case. And I can give you some examples here. And so the one that I always give in terms of the, uh, the kind of the difference between, let's say, a natural health product and even a food product, too. And so sometimes there's going to be different standards about the, the actual agent that's in a product uh, just by whether it has a health claim or not. So let's say we talk about tea. And so if I just say, you know, standard black tea that you might have uh, in the morning, 
Now, would you call that a natural health product or is that a food product? This one's pretty easy. Yeah, I would think that's a food. That's a food, right. And so, um, but there are also some teas that can be sold that actually have some therapeutic value. And so there's some teas when you walk around a grocery store or a health food store in Canada and, and you'll see that there's some teas that actually have a natural product number on them. And whenever something has a natural product number on them, you can you you know automatically that there's something on that bo- on that box or on that bottle that's trying to make a health claim. So I'm thinking like detox teas. Exactly. And so if it's trying to say that, and if if there's a line on the bottle and it's trying to encourage someone to use that tea for some kind of medicinal medicinal action, then it automatically needs to go through all of those strict standards that we talked about in terms of the NPN. And so you can have the, the, same ingre- the same ingredient in some cases that can be a food product, but then if you put a marketing term on it or if you are trying to sell it for a health reason, then it's going to need, go, need to go through that NPN process. The other one that I usually give as an example is uh, milk products. And so there's a wide variety of different milk products on both the food product market and the natural product market. And so something like, evap- we're going to go rapid fire here, Carrie. So okay. uh, something like uh, evaporated milk. Food or natural health product? Uh, food. Milk. Food. Whey protein isolate. Uh, I don't know. I could see yeah, either. Right. I could exactly. see either. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I didn't stump you. And so this is this is one example that I always like to give because there can be a whey protein isolate that actually does not make any health claims. And so if a whey protein isolate, for anyone who's not aware, it's a kind of protein that it's, 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 it's a higher level of milk. It's a higher quality of milk protein. And we say quality because it has more protein in it. It has less carbohydrate and it has uh, less fat. And so it's more protein than it is anything else. And so, but that protein can also have some medicinal benefits. And so if the company decides that it just wants to sell the protein as protein and not make any health claims on it, it can actually be sold as a food. But if it's trying to sell it as a natural health product, then it and they're usually trying to get a health claim associated with that, then it would need to go through all of those NPN standards. <coughs> the, the other one that I like to give an example of, and this one's a, a, a dead giveaway, but it also actually comes from milk. And so there's an agent called alpha-S1 uh, casazepine. And that's a breakdown product of milk that has been shown that once, it's at, once there's another chemical reaction that happens, that happens with it, um, it's able to help people that have anxiety and decrease their anxiety and help them go to sleep. Now, that still comes from milk. And just because it comes from milk doesn't necessarily make it a natural health product, but because they're trying to make that health claim, that puts it firmly in the natural health product category. Does that make sense, that variety between all those? Yeah. Yeah. So so my next question is, um, okay, you're a doctor out there out, out in the field, in the trenches, Mm-hmm. Um, how do you choose quality supplements for yourself and for your patients? So the, the first and most important thing here is that uh, it, it really does necessitate you knowing what you're trying to, what knowing what you're looking for. And so I think the easiest thing to do when it comes to looking for quality is to just to pr- pick a brand and only use that brand. But that's actually a little bit flawed because just because a brand does one good thing doesn't mean that they do necessarily everything well. Yeah. You know, I can use it in terms of my practice. So there's certain areas in my practice, sports nutrition and performance, namely, um, that I, I, I do a lot of work to try to make myself a, a much better practitioner. And I do a lot of work to try to understand best practices overall. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to be um, in any way equipped to help someone in uh, helping with their cancer care. 
And so we can think about it the same thing in their in their companies as well. So just because a company has, let's say, some really tight controls on, let's say, how they're um, determining their uh, purity and a lack of contaminants in a certain product doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to carry over. So being as individualized as possible. So if you're looking for an ingredient, try to understand what you can about that ingredient as step one and um, learn about the different intricacies of that ingredient. And so that might seem like work, but especially if you're a practitioner, it really, t- I, I stand by this a lot in my practice. And whenever I teach students, you know, if, if you can understand your search strategy, you understand why you're looking for a certain thing then you'll be able to actually open up your opportunities to see all sorts of different products that might be available to you, as opposed to just saying, oh, I'm looking for, I need a certain kind of vitamin C. But if you just say, okay, I'm looking to, let's say, increase someone's serum vitamin C levels, you might open yourself up to other different products you might not not have been aware of. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, and so the search strategy really does end up being really important on my end. Now, after you've decided your search strategy, going to that minimum competency level is important. So making sure that the product is what it says it is and that it doesn't have any contaminants, those are my two big first steps. And so in Canada, that's made fairly easy because of that entire NPN structure. So if a product is available for sale in Canada, then I already know that it is what it says it is and that it doesn't have those contaminant levels. The next thing that I'll look for is that I'll... If I can, I'll find specific research on that product itself. So that's the best case scenario. It's not always the case, not always possible. But if you can find something that has some randomized research and blinded research on it, then you can have some more guarantees that the effects that you're going to get from that product are going to be able to be extrapolated among larger populations too. Without that, then it takes understanding that, you know, looking for um, different products that have you know, a, an absence of certain antigens. So let's say you want to make sure that, uh, you know, there's, there's products that don't have contaminants like gluten or soy or things like that because some of your patients might actually be intolerant to them. So making sure that, you know, in the process and looking at the non-medicinals um, can be helpful in this too because sometimes there might not be gluten, let's say, in the actual medicinal ingredients, but sometimes in the non-medicinal ingredients there can be something that acts as a binder, something like a bran, that can actually keep keep that uh, tablet together. And so usually my next pass is trying to figure out which kind of delivery system you want. And so because there's tablets available, capsules available, powders and liquid, you know, pros and cons in each of those that need to be specific to each patient. You'll notice and I'm not giving firm answers here uh-huh. um, because it really does depend, you know, case by case on the patient. So in Canada, because that minimum threshold is quite low, you can actually make your search strategy a lot easier but uh, in the U.S., it does mean that you need to look for products that have certain extra certification. You'll notice a common one is NSF. And so that means that an NSF has a, another certification call that is their NSF uh, Good Manufacturing Practices. So that means that any product that has that stamp of approval has that minimum threshold achieved. And that's really important to make sure that the, the patient is actually getting exactly what they want. So that once you've decided what ingredient you want, then at least you're you're following through on that but making sure the product isn't any different but the question that i always get asked is that um, you know people want to know what companies are the best and i I typically don't answer that question for what i would mention before because when when we're thinking about you know best company instead of best product it's it's an easier decision instead of the harder decision of how do i make sure that i'm recommending the best product 
for the specific patient themselves. And that's something that is getting easier and easier nowadays because access to all kinds of different products is, is possible. And so you don't only need to buy from one company anymore. You can recommend products from all kinds of different uh, companies in order to make sure that the patient is getting exactly what they want. And Andrew, in our last few minutes here, do you have any um, guidelines about buying supplements online? And so the biggest thing with buying supplements online is that there's really, whenever you're working with a reseller, so if there aren't any guarantees that you can have about you know where a where a product is being stored, where it's being shipped. If you, if you can't have guarantees that the the person that you're buying the product from or the company that you're buying the product from is actually abiding by the good manufacturing practices, then that would be a concern for me. So, for me, if I'm ever buying products online, I would always make sure that you're going straight to a supplier or a distributor because then that means that they're going to be very tightly controlling the way that they sell the products, store the products, and ship the products. Yeah, otherwise you don't know if these supplements are being stored in the backyard in a shed that's 100 degrees or 30 degrees Celsius. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like you don't know. And if that's probiotics, uh, are are they going to be shipped properly with a, a cold pack? So, yeah, I totally agree with you on that. And so that's where, like, having distributors. And so one of the company that I work for, Fullscript, um, does do this. And so this is something that certainly is important to us in making sure that any of the companies that we are selling through Fullscript, we make sure that we're abiding by all of their standards and policies. And whenever a company, whenever you're buying directly from a company as well, they're obviously keeping to all of their standards and policies. It's a really important factor overall because, again, there can be a really, really great product, but let's say it's shipped improperly. It might lose some of the effects. Let's say it's stored improperly. It might lose some of these effects. If it's in, a, if it's in that 100-degree shed, then some heat heat uh, labile products, so ones that get damaged by heat, things like 5-HTP, things like probiotics. You could be getting the product exactly as you intended it, but there could have been something in the distribution chain that actually made it a lot worse or a lot less um, effective based on uh, just the way that it was done on that side. And so having those guarantees can really make a big difference for you as a practitioner and as a patient. Andrew, how can our listeners find out more about you? So if you want to get in touch, I'm easily accessible on Instagram at Krause Health, so K-R-A-U-S-E Health. Um, if you want to learn more about Fullscript, now we help practitioners dispense supplements online. You can just go to Fullscript.com and you can sign up for free if you're a licensed healthcare provider. And so if you have any other questions about anything, just feel free to send me a message on Instagram. I'll be happy to answer you. Andrew, thank you so much for being my special guest today. This has been an awesome interview. Well, thanks so much for inviting me again. It's, uh, it's always great to be able to have these kinds of conversations. All right, that wraps up this very special episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show with Dr. Andrew Krause. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today. And I'd like to invite you back next time for another episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please tell your friends about the Functional Medicine Radio Show, and we'll see you next week with more from Dr. Carrie.